Hi, I'm BJ, and this is the Arcane Alienist Podcast. We're at day 14 of RPG a day, and uh, let's take some calls. Hey, BJ. Uh, Daniel from Bandits Keep uh, calling it. I'm finally catching up, although not in order, uh, to your RPG a day, RPG a day uh, postings, thoughts. Well, I'm just calling specifically about the think one. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's funny you just said a lot. That you've got a lot of good points, especially like, you know, thinking about this is a social game and thinking about other people around you on the table. You know, and it's not just you and what your character does, but it's everybody together. I think that's a really good philosophy. I do um, wonder, though, the the piece of advice that you give or that you got that uh, you should try to entertain people. Mm, I'm not sure I agree with that. I would love to hear more about that, actually, because uh, maybe I'm just interpreting that uh, wrong. And maybe I have to think about it some more, but uh, I don't think we should be there to to entertain people, to play together, to have a good time. Yes. I mean, it could be that that again, I'm uh, interpreting that wrong. I, I always go by the philosophy of that it's everybody's job at the table, the DMs and all the players' job to make sure that everybody else at the table is having a good time, including themselves. So that is definitely something to think about. But I don't know if entertain is just. Uh, just my interpretation of that is people doing funny voices and being over the top and trying to make people laugh. And while that's awesome and fun when you're hanging out with your friends to do that, I don't know that that's part of the game. And if you use that type of phrasing on somebody who doesn't understand the game, that might actually make them go down a path that I would find not very entertaining, <laughs> to be honest with you. But, you know, again, uh, I'm curious what, what uh, for, I'd be, even though it's not another word, I don't think, for RPG a day, that'd be an interesting topic if you ever want to hit it. That's Daniel Norton from the Bandits Keep uh, podcast and YouTube channel. Check out his stuff uh, wherever he posts it. Uh, I'd be happy to clarify that in the context. This, this came up in a, a Facebook group I'm in. Um, used to be much more active. It's kind of died off since then. Um, and, uh, I, I really wish I knew who to credit that, this, this description to, uh, but as you know, not everybody uses their real name or their, their real photo in their Facebook profile. So you, you don't know who people are, but this, I do remember, distinctly remember that this, this, the, a, a user, a member of that group or that, that community, uh, explaining this, uh, two or three times over the span of a few months, because you get in those groups, you know, and there's, there's discussion going on on social media and you, one of the most common things that people will come to and ask for kind of advice, feedback from other other players is, hey, we got this person in the group who, and they, you know, they're, they're being selfish, they're being antagonistic, they're being insensitive. Um, and nine times out of ten, if anybody confronts them or points it out to them, well, I'm just playing my character. And so this comes up in the, uh, the, the, the context of discussing um, – kind of obligation that you've got to make a character that cooperates with the group. Even if you're in a kind of game that permits some intergroup conflict and role-playing out disagreements, uh, rivalries, um, differences of opinion, pe- people working together, but the characters don't like each other. It's okay, the players like each other, but the, the characters don't like each other. 
Um, or where you might have a, a uh, somebody who's playing a, an evil or a neutral or an evil person in a party of good, otherwise good characters who want to be heroes, whatever the case may be. Um, and, and but this particular uh, play to entertain concept would come up when, when we would get down to to the discussion point of um, people just being either either blatantly antagonistic. Antagonistic. Why did I say it that way? Blatantly antagonistic, or um, just sort of insensitive and, and unaware of the effects. There is play, playing to play in the spotlight without the idea that we're sharing the space when when we create these scenarios together and, and play through them. That it's not all about my character, and so people would would, would you know you're talking about killing an NPC that everybody else wanted to talk to. Um, causing problems for everybody, mostly because you seem to be just be entertaining yourself, or just rigidly adhering to um, your character concept or what your character would do, not recognizing that even a person with those kind of pro- tendencies in a setting that would have to be able to get along with their fellow adventurers. <laughs> so, and that it's on the player to make that work. And so, I think that's what this person was saying when they say. If you're going to do something outlandish, um, if you're going to make a big scene, if you're going to if you're going to do something exciting or provocative, do something that's engaging and meaningful for the whole group. Uh, do something that drives the story forward, or that even if it creates a complication, it's an interesting complication that everybody kind of can 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 go along with. Even if in character, their characters are like you know yelling at. Your character and complaining and oh here we go again <laughs> what are you what are you doing kind of stuff um, that conflict is part of the the entertainment value of role playing with other people role playing through conflicts and disagreements and 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 people getting their 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 allies and, and friends sometimes in, in sticky situations um, that that there can be a, a that can be a lot of fun if you realize you you should be doing it not just for your own entertainment but for everybody else's as well and i don't think the, the the implication was you should always be you know trying to be the center of attention and spotlight to make other people laugh but that if you're going to jump to center stage and, and command the spotlight be cognizant of the effects of your actions on everybody else's enjoyment of the game and their um Kind of what they have in plan for, for what what their characters' goals and and what their other characters are about, so that the party kind of meshes and can have some cohesion. I played with a guy several years ago who was brilliant at this. Um, most of us were playing your kind of garden variety heroes for hire D and D adventurers, and and he was playing a bard who was kind of a con artist. Um, and he knew how to. Com- play this sort of self-centered uh, you know lord of chaos kind of like like just just you know chaos falls him wherever he goes um, character to create interesting things and, and have have the stuff that was sometimes funny to watch and, and sometimes oh, there's always something that was gonna get stirred up with this guy when he when he role played his character but he knew how to take it to that line where it was going to be too much and stop so that whatever, even when it caused complications for the party, it was always one enjoyable to watch him do that, enjoyable to role play the way the rest of us would either bail him out of trouble or take him to task. And also, it was never to the point 
and, and of course the GM was good in responding and, and, and making accommodations for this, but, but, but it was never to the point that, you know, that if, 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 if I had said, you know, well, the one thing I want to get done today for my character is this, he was not going to do anything that was going to undermine that. Um, he kind of remained cognizant of, of the other characters in the party and kind of their motivations and their, um, objectives and things like that. So, so that he always introduced that element of chaos and randomness that was, it made something interesting without it becoming aggravating. Um, I don't know that now just everybody can do that. Um, I don't even know if the majority of people who play role playing games can do it that well. So, you know, it, it, it's you got to you got to have a gentle touch when you do that if you're going to play uh, contrarian or or antagonistic or difficult types of, of, of characters in a who are supposed to be functioning in a group at least to the point that everybody else is going to want to keep that person around as an ally and a companion. So that's what uh, playing to entertain means, I think, in the context of where I got that. And there may be a better way to say it, um, but it's the idea that if you're going to take the spotlight, be gracious and make sure that you don't undermine or alienate or aggravate the other players by hogging the spotlight or by forcing, you know, everybody has a right to, to, to have some of their character goals or their character's agenda drive the, the the story forward but 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 not at the expense that you're always edging everybody else out of, out of the their, their opportunity to, to to share the spotlight or have their moment um so that that's what playing to entertain means and i think that's uh you know people who are involved in in, in performing arts and i'm on my son is, is getting involved in that along with minority hobbits <laughs> hobbies he's, he's getting into some other theater and, and music and stuff and, and and i know that's something his the, the, the directors and the, the drama coaches who have worked with him so far have, have introduced that idea of don't be a selfish actor. You're sharing the stage, even when you're the lead role, <laughs> whether it's a scene where you're the lead or you're, you're just the main character to play. There are other actors who have to do their things. And so, you know, you take a cue from that of, of, of be generous and gracious and, and share the stage. But thanks for your response to that and asking for the clarification. That was, um, that was, a. Uh, it's kind of a long answer, but I think it's one that is worth uh, discussing. So, always good to hear from you, Daniel. Hey, BJ Jason here. Talking about the flood as far as swarms of enemies. I, so, I've done a couple, three different ways over the years. Either just treat them normally, so you just have tons of different enemies with the regular hit points and all that stuff, which is kind of, you know, it takes forever. Um, I've done it where... They've had reduced hit points, like you were talking about, but still act independently, do damage independently, all that stuff. But, you know, they die with one or two hits. And then, which typically, I, I didn't count hit points. I just had it once the character hit them, it killed them, um, which is a little bit of a cheat, but, you know, it worked. The other option that I, I really like, it depends on the game and how tactical your game is, you know, as far as minis and maps and stuff. But if it's a more narrative game, a more theater of the mind game, I will tell you in the next message. For that slightly more narrative game, what I like to do is do it the Tunnels and Trolls way, where basically that group of enemies, now you could treat the the big boss as a separate creature, but you treat the whole swarm of enemies, that whole phalanx of hobgoblins, whatever it is, you treat them as one creature. So they have one set of hit points, they do one set amount of damage each round. You might do damage to everybody or... 
you know, they're going to do damage and while fighting them, the characters all have to save versus death or then if they don't, you know, the creature does one damage roll and then all the characters do save versus death. They don't save and they take damage that round from the creature. And, and then it just has one pool of hit points that whittle down and then you just narratively describe it. And that way you get that Conan-esque thing where you can describe, you know, oh, I took five of them out with a swing of a sword or whatever. But typically what, what I would do is more just the, you know, one hit kills them. That was Jason uh, of the Nerds RPG Variety cast, our uh, regular caller to this show. <laughs> yeah, Jason, um, I think those are all great options. And uh, I, I think it sometimes depends on kind of what you want. If you want a real threatening use of, of, of a swarm or, or a mob, you treat each of them separately so that you, you know one hit kills one. You can't take out two with, with one swing. And that can be used either as a, a threat in terms of it's just multiple attacks that continue to come in and you can only just reduce them one at a time. Or it just slows it down because you, you, you have to individually take out each one. So maybe maybe they're not even strong enough to get past a character's armor most of the time. But they're in the way and you've got to get them out of the way um, by, by wading through them and just picking them off one by one. Um Versus if you, you treat it more like a swarm where, you know, each one accounts for one hit point in the swarm. And if you do five damage, you kill five of those things. That's That gives you a kind of a different feel. So, uh, see, so yeah, I think all of those are valid ways of doing it. And it probably depends on what you want out of the encounter. I, I guess the question would be, in any particular campaign, do you pick one rule that you use for mobs or do you rotate through all those different ways of doing it, depending on how you want a given encounter to go. Um, or, you know, do, do you say, well, you know, a swarm of insects acts one way versus a, a mob of, of kobolds or other fairly small humanoids would act according to a, a different setup. So uh, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Hey, BJ, when you mentioned mudslides, it really reminded me of something I've seen on television recently and i've been watching the crown my wife and i've been binging it i think we're on the last the last season that's on netflix at least season four getting towards the end it definitely is interesting and i still would want to run a delta green game set in that back backdrop the fictitious world of the crown if it is fict in fact fictitious but they did show last season um a catastrophic mudslide, the Aberfan disaster, and it was just seeing it and the aftermath was just ridiculous. And it reminded me of, I was in Santa Barbara a few years ago and they had, it was, it was a few months after that mudslide that they had had there nearby. And, and just seeing like the waste, you could walk out to where the mudslide had occurred and you could see the buried houses and, and reading about the tragedy, just people buried alive is horrific, actually. And that's what that, they really showed that in a horrific, not, you know, bodies laying in the muck, but, you know, just the thought of it, you know, it's, and how what happened at that Aberfan disaster. But that would be, I don't know, I don't know if that's how traumatic that would be to run it in the game. Um, it is a, it is part of the disaster, these, you know, floods and mudslides, and that could be 
that could be a good game for a mature audience, you know, the aftermath of a disaster and then what you do is, was, was it on purpose? How do you cope and handle, right? Would you add fanciful details? Some monster caused it? I don't know. Or really is the thought of having a game centered around the aftermath or during a natural disaster too real? That kind of brings us to another discussion altogether, I guess, right? About how real is too real? Or is sometimes can a game be too real? Would a natural disaster be hard to run or or play in? I don't know. I guess it depends on your background and what triggers you. But um, yeah, flood flood makes for you wouldn't think, but flood makes for an interesting thought and discussion. But thanks again, BJ, for your RPG a day. 2021 contributions and we'll talk to you soon Carl that's interesting to think about mudslides um, um, the other flooding I, I, I tend to think of flooding as happened when a river or lake overflows its its banks because of, of too much rain but I remember I can't remember which which hurricane it was around 2010 2011 um, that hit really hit uh the Houston area and the Galveston area are really hard. I had a good friend who lived in Houston at the time and, and went down there and we, we kind of took his, his truck out uh, over, over to near Galveston and just kind of drove down the beach, but could see where, you know, because of the way the, the waves interact with the sand and it can just pull sand out from underneath things, all the collapsed roads and, and, and buildings and then and then you could just see things buried in sand <laughs> you know home appliances and and lawn furniture and and uh other kinds of odd debris so so there i think there's lots of ways you can deal with it with the power of wind rain and water um you know not just in terms of a storm but also in terms of flooding and, and mudslides and erosion and things like that um but yeah when is it when is it too much um that actually probably brings us in today's topic of uh, safety. Uh, you know, wh where do you draw the line on what you want to cover or not cover? What do you want to address? When is it too graphic? When is it too far? When is it, um, you know, a, a, a hot button issue? And then that may depend a little bit on what game you're playing and who you're playing it with. So that makes for a very good segue. And again, that was Carl. Rodriguez of the Geomologist Presents podcast. So now we'll move on to the topic at hand. Today's topic is safety, uh, or the prompt for today is, is safety, the, the prompt words we're using for RPG a day. Uh, I, I, I'm recording this a little bit later than I have most of my things because I, I just went back and forth on what, what could I say about this? One, what could I say that hasn't been said? Um, and, and it just doesn't, nothing just leapt out at me other than, you know, probably the first rule of, of any kind of social activity is don't be a jerk. <laughs> don't create situations that are going to make other people feel uncomfortable. That's easy to say. I know it's a lot harder to do sometimes uh, because human beings are very complex. Uh, Carl mentioned in his um, previous call, the call we just listened to, about, you know, if you're going to use natural disasters, what's too far, what would be too disturbing for people. 
um, and particularly if you've got players who have who've lived through and lost things to a flood or, or a hurricane or a house fire or or whatever, do, do you really want to go there? I mean, sometimes you can't completely avoid that. It, we, we are talking about games that involve action and adventure, which have to be based a lot of times around conflict and, and tragedies that, that sort of drive people forward. I mean, um, so you, I don't think you can completely avoid potentially triggering or upsetting, unsettling topics um, in role-playing games. Um, but a question of how far do you go is certainly uh, one that I think people need to think about. Uh, the, the one I always think of are the, the concept of lines and veils. Um, and I can't, for the life of me, I, it, it's late and I want to get my episode out so just Google role-playing games lines, lines and veils and you can find the original citations for this it gets talked about so much I forget who to who to properly um, cite as, as the original source for this but it, it's the idea that, that there are lines you don't cross in a game uh, there are just places you shouldn't go um, and that that may vary from group to group based on who's there you know um, so there's a hard line that just says we are not going to in- get into a certain topic that may just be very distasteful for people. Um, and each group can dis- decide for themselves what those lines are. And then there's the idea of a veil where we're, we're going to acknowledge that awful things happen in this world. We're just not going to go into the gory detail. We're going to acknowledge that sometimes people torture prisoners but we're not going to describe it necessarily if, if people aren't comfortable with that. Um, we understand that, that particularly in, in fantasy role-playing, sometimes we're, we're trying to, to model a, a somewhat sometimes brutal medieval world that, uh, you know, you know, bad things happen to, to young people. You know, children die of disease. Children get, you know, <laughs> get killed violently sometimes in, in, in certain situations. Um, but we don't have to describe that. We know it's happening in the background, and, and it may be a plot point that we might just briefly mention that drives something, if, if that's okay. But but we're gonna we're, there's gonna be a veil where we just kind of fade to black instead of, of of you know it happened off screen kind of a thing. Um, and again, everybody has a different tolerance. So the best thing is just know who you're playing with, and when you're playing with strangers or people you you've just met and you don't know very well. Um, one, you can just have that open discussion or also I, I think just, just don't go there. Just, just until you know the tolerances and the, 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 uh, you know, the, are, are, are kind of at a point where, where the pe- you know, the people you play with well enough of what, what isn't, isn't, is not off limits, you know, don't, don't push the envelope so much, you know, you know, watch your language, watch your, um, you know. You know, read the room. <laughs> I saw an interview with Jerry Seinfeld one time, um, where they asked him. They they brought up the fact that, that um, you know his 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 stand-up material is clearly for an adult audience, but he doesn't use a lot of swear words. And he said that um, he used to curse. I mean, my most stand-up comedians today curse pretty frequently in the, in their material. And he said, you know, when he started out, he did as, as much as, as most other comedians that, that, that were, you know, kind of on the scene at the time that he was coming up. 
and one day he he just asked himself, are people laughing at me because the the joke is funny? Are they laughing at me because I crossed a social taboo and said a bad word? So he started pulling the, 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 the curse words out of his act to see if he got the same reaction for the joke with and without the, the four-letter words. And he found that he could he could do his style of, of, of humor, whether you like Seinfeld or not. I know some people, most a lot of people do, but some people don't. Um, and I, I think that sort of thing, read the room, and, and, and while you're still trying to read the room, just kind of assume that we're going to be polite right now and, and just kind of on our manners until we're all comfortable with each other and know kind of where we can go. Because I think most of us who've played with a group for long enough, I mean, we all, you know, I mean, I, I, most of the D&D groups I've been with have been completely comfortable with, with swear words and crude humor and, and things like that. But uh, you never know. And, and I think you, until you, and you know who you're gaming with, um, just be careful while you're getting to know people. I think that's why there's such an emphasis anymore over the last several years of making that explicit and not just assuming that everybody's going to be going to be able to just read the room after a couple of sessions with a group and, and know where to draw the line. You, you make it more explicit. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, full disclosure, I haven't done that uh, with any group since this has sort of become a thing to do because the, the two groups I play with primarily, we already all know each other that well. And so we don't, we, we just have, we just, from, from socializing um, for a long time uh, around, whether it's gaming around other, or, or other uh, uh, shared activities, we, we, we kind of know where that is. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I the first time I realized I was I was running a group where where we had six players and four of them were women, I certainly it hit me and I thought, oh man, do I had a gut check and I had to think, well, do I do things that might potentially make female players uncomfortable? And and I don't, um, I don't think I do. I, I've never been told, given feedback otherwise. And I, but I try to be cognizant of that. But I realized, you know, my my default style of gaming is is not going to cause problems here. When I when I when I run games with with my son and other kids though, I, you know, um, he's twelve, so he, he's been playing D and D for two or three years now. You, you start a kid out at nine, you kind of have to. You know, there are things you just don't want to do that can potentially come up in D and D. You kind of have to keep it PG. Um, so be I think that should be aware of who's at the table and and you know social norms of, of how you behave in public versus private and with mixed company. I hate that term mixed company. That's probably a kind of a sexist term. I, I just kind of slipped out. I can't think of another way to say it. Uh, but yeah, the, the other thing with safety, which is, I think the one that, that, that becomes a hot button issue for people is, uh, it's a, it, it runs in the same circles as, uh, the idea of a safe space. Um, which is, I, I think, much maligned sometimes, uh, even though it's actually the, the original concept of a safe, safe space is not what most people think it is. Um, but I know a lot of organizations now, um, part of, of organizational governance and organizational structure, we're talking about a, 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 a for-profit cor- corpor- for cor- corporation, uh, large nonprofits, hospitals, healthcare. care um, 
healthcare organizations will talk about a culture of safety, and they don't just mean physical safety like do the smoke alarms work, do we have fire extinguishers, or the exits clearly marked. They talk about this needs to be a place where people can come to work and, and, and not have people harassing them and making them feel uncomfortable, whether that's sexual harassment, racial, gender-based, um, or just somebody just really obnoxious and <laughs> they bother everybody. We we wanna we wanna have a, a, a way that we can address when when, when two people are, are in conflict or when someone is making other people uncomfortable for whatever reason, we have a way to redress that. And a lot of that just goes back to, you know, mind your manners. And and you can you can be around, I think, in gaming and, and have that same concept where you're not you don't have to be work you. You don't have to be formal and, uh, and completely the kind of person you, you would be at work uh, in front of the boss. But, you know, uh, there's just some basic manners and decency, you know, and, and consideration that if you take in for people, I think will solve most of what we're, we're talking about with, with safety. Um, yeah, I'm kind of rambling on again because I don't know that if I can – you can probably find much more coherent and well-thought-out discussion of this elsewhere. <laughs> Although be careful because you can also find a lot of you know, looking to go talk about safety. You can get a lot of people who don't like to talk about safety, and so they, they themselves engage in the kind of behaviors that cause us to have to have discussions about safety. Um, uh, and if you think it's easy, you know, it's, it's – it's, it, most of the time, it probably is easy, but I, you know, go look at the the the, the rise the, the the rising and falling fortunes of Adam Cobell, the co co creator of Dungeon World, who is a huge advocate for safety in gaming, and then right in front of a live streaming audience, he completely violated that principle uh, and and kind of crossed a line that um, was really upsetting to his players and one player in particular. Uh, you, you can go find that story on your own. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think, you know, and I always say this, if, if you grew up like I did in the 80s as, as a nerdy kid, um, you know what it's like to feel pushed out, unwelcome, made to feel like a misfit. Uh, we of all people should be able to create an environment where everybody is welcome and feels like they can come just be themselves. Um, what's fascinating to me is that, that apparently we're not as good as that as we think we are as more people come into gaming with, with the, it's becoming more, it's just the popularity continues to grow. Um, and, and you do hear stories from, from women, sometimes from, 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 uh, people of color, sometimes from, uh, LGBTQ people about they don't feel comfortable and why is that and if it's just uh, I was nervous just because I'm used to people not accepting me that's one thing but if, if we're um, you know continuing to, to make jokes at the expense of other people <laughs> other groups of people um, or uh, you know I, the big one I think of is being so insistent that, that in, in, in a medieval world, women are second class, therefore all female characters are going to be second class. Um, and, and maybe female characters can challenge that structure and, and still have, have adventures and be part of the group, and female players can do that. But but um, 
you know, it is a fantasy world. You don't have to completely live by the, the strictures of, of historical stuff. Uh, but part of um, making people feel welcome is being willing to change and accommodate for them. You know, if, if you've got a a person who has a physical disability, you know, make room at the table where they can get their wheelchair up there if that's, if that's kind of the, the thing. If you've got a person who's diabetic, how big of a problem is it if you're going to provide the snacks that you maybe provide something they can snack on besides just chips and cookies, which would be bad for them. Um, if you got a person who's a recovering alcoholic, maybe don't shove a beer in their face. I mean, you know, maybe everybody else can drink a beer, but <laughs> don't, uh, don't, don't harass them for not drinking. Um, you know, I think those are things that, that, that uh, most of us can wrap our head around because they're, they're medical conditions, they're disabilities, they're, they're things. But I mean, the same thing applies to people who may have a trauma history, um, who've been abused as children or assaulted or lived through a natural disaster or, or whatever the case may be. When you get to know your players, um, you know, you might want to know where the lines are for them on that. Until you know where the line is, just, just try to acknowledge that you're not going to cross it or, or you're not going to go there. Um, but I think, they, my, I think the point I was really trying to make is um, sometimes we need to change the way we run our tables <laughs> as, as game masters and gaming groups to make other people feel welcome, um, whether that's for a, or a physical challenge or disability or whether that's for um, a cultural difference or a, a, a social difference um, that, you know, maybe we just haven't, you know, this is a game that has traditionally been played by nerdy white men. <laughs> so sometimes we don't, we don't, we haven't had to put up with some of the stuff that, that women have had to put up with or, or people different from us have to put up. But I think my original point was we should at least be able to relate to that as nerds. Um, so yeah, I guess that's my soapbox on that. Um, I mean, if we, if we would all just, I guess, respect each other and, and show a little compassion and consideration from each other, wouldn't the world be a better place? Anyway, I've rambled on long enough. Um, this is probably going to be my longest RPG a day episode. Hope people are willing to listen to it because I know it's a lot longer than the other ones. And that's it for this episode of The Arcane Alienist. I want to thank Dave Bone for the cover art that I use for the episodes. Check out ironseer.com. And the music is Come and Get It by Scott Holmes Music. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, give me a call sometime through the Anchor app or at the Anchor website. And I'll be back in the future with another episode. <laughs>